Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I gotta know, if you won the lottery, how much money would you need to win to consider it life-changing? Oh, oh. Oh, man, that's disappointing. The On my sound effects panel, that one is called Jackpot. With that's a big, called Jackpot? With a big dollar mm-hmm. sign. <laughs> that, that did, I, something, something labeled that wrong. Let's just experience that again. That's us all winning a lot of money, that's apparently. Jackpot. It's wimpy. It's a wimpy jackpot. Clayton, so, how about you first? Oh, I, I got to go first. Okay, so the, the problem is there's, there's a lot of math that I'm trying to do in my head. And so here's, here's my principle. Okay. I, I probably, just realistically, if I had enough money that I knew I was going to be set for the rest of my life, like, you know, my salary or two or three times my salary, you know, for the rest of my life, that amount of money, probably what would change is I would still be a pastor. I would just say, you know what? I don't need to take a paycheck. I'll just do what kind of ministry, you know, God has for me and not worry about it. And so that would probably, I mean, in some ways my life would change very little in terms of the day-to-day things I would probably do. Um, but if I had that, that would be the life-changing decision. But I look at a lottery and I'm like, well, if you if I had a million dollars a year for the rest of my life and it was 40 or $50 million, that's a small lottery. And that's way more than, yeah. it, than I'll ever make in my life. And so uh, it wouldn't actually have to be that high for me to feel like, you know what, this freed me up to just do whatever and not worry about that. So I don't know what the number is, but it wouldn't say, have to be that big. He just said a lot of words, but no numbers. Yeah. And, and he did say my salary or two times my salary or three times my salary, which are all very different numbers. They're all very different numbers. Yeah, I was going to say, I, you said it. But if I said, but if I, if I got to like a million dollars a year for the rest of my life, which would be 40 or $50 million, that would easily blow away anything I could possibly are hope you, for. Are you like capping your life expectancy right now? <laughs> well, until I was 80 or 90. Yeah, okay, so. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I think you're right though. But you know like, what I mean? So what's the number? I don't know. A million, I don't well, know. a million a year. A million a year would be, yes, easily. But I think it could be less than that, but I'd have to do the math. That's what I'm saying. I was just going to say a million a year. Like, I, I think that would be, I think that would be life-changing. One, because I'm a pretty simple person. So I don't, I don't, I don't, don't want to sound boring, but like, I don't do a lot. I don't. Well, you already admitted you never leave South Elgin true. in a previous episode. That's pretty episode. true. Like, I don't have like, I, I'm just, I'm not like a big with things and spending money and you stuff. You said so. you want to travel more. Yeah, but, well, I guess well, I don't A million really, a year would definitely allow you to travel. It would. So anything under a million you would not consider life-changing? Well, no, I think it would be life-changing. It definitely would. Right, like, let, let me change the question just a little bit. What's the least amount of money you could win that you would consider life-changing? Harder. Wait, wait, Ferris, you have yet to answer this. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. You... <laughs> and now let's look at today's text. I, it wouldn't be that much. I, I'm, I, I'm like I taking out my phone and I'm... <laughs> we don't have time to do calculations <laughs> right now. <laughs> Eric, what's your, what's your answer? $2 million total. And, and the way I got there is if I had that amount of money... I could pay for all of my children's education mm. and have a nest egg to invest for retirement. Mm. And that would be enough for me. And I would consider that life-changing. I wouldn't be worried about 
anything. And I admittedly have a very loose relationship with money. Like my wife is the one that handles all of the finances. And so I just generally go through life thinking God's going to provide for me. So I have very little stress on this topic. Yeah. There's also the interest thing. Like how much, if you invest it, what you make, like there's, yeah. there's, there's so many, there's so much math, Eric. There's so much math. Because if you talk a smaller amount, you would be able to invest it and grow it, grow it if you really wanted to. <laughs> this is all complex. All right. Good, good job with this question, guys. Clayton, we have a special weekend coming up called Inspiring Stories. Yes. Would you like to tell our listeners about it? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, this weekend, we are going to have a scientist from MIT. Her name is Rosalind Picard, and she works in the area of artificial intelligence, which is going to be fascinating. Uh, but the truly fascinating thing is her own personal story. She didn't grow up believing in God, and as an adult, she was an atheist, but asked the question, the honest question, uh, what would it take to uh, have the evidence to believe uh, that God is real, and what do I think about Jesus? And uh, we're going to hear the story of how she came to uh, faith and say, yeah, I actually do believe this stuff. Uh, so it's going to be really fascinating, really fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking with her. Great. And then Eric, we have another special thing coming up the same week. You want to tell everybody about that? Same weekend, right? Same weekend. Yeah. That's right. We, have, we have a packed weekend. The same weekend as Inspiring Stories Weekend is our Adoration Women's Conference. Mm-hmm. I don't know very much about it. <laughs> I'm not attending. That's for sure. I heard it's going to be good. <laughs> I heard there's some great breakout speakers like uh, Nikki Lucas. Oh, Nikki, yeah. Nikki, you're teaching a workshop. What's the workshop you're teaching at yes. the Adoration Women's Conference? It's on how to become an influential leader. Yeah. And then alongside of that, there's like, what, a half a dozen other breakouts? I don't know. I, have not, yeah. I know very little about the women's conference. You, These you, are not things I pay attention to. You do to. know about the, the keynote speaker, yeah, when she Megan Marshall. I do. I do. So fr- I'm friends with Megan. She is a... Uh, uh, friends with a few people on staff here. She is, she's phenomenal. She travels all over the country speaking. She's uh, teaching pastor at a teaching pastor at Willow, and she's the real deal. So, and that's about the highest praise you can give someone when they when they live what they say. When you know that there is no distance between who someone is on a stage and how they are in real life. Uh, so, I have a a. Great amount of respect and admiration for Megan. She's not just a great public speaker. She's the real deal, and she will bring it at the Adoration Women's Conference. So check out the website. I don't know any of the details. I don't know how you register. I don't know how much it costs. I don't know when it starts. I don't know when it ends. I just know the people who are running it and who's involved, and they're all great women. So check it out. It's going to be great. All right, Clayton, what passage are we looking at today? How's that for being the worst pitch man ever? (laughs) You, you know, did your best, you did, you did lot, your best. a lot of intrigue in there. People are going to go check it out. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me give you a little bit of context. That's the first step in the comma method. Uh, Paul has been writing this letter to the church in Corinth, and uh, there's kind of a bigger story going on here. One of the things that Paul has been doing as he's been traveling from church to church is he has been raising money for the church in Jerusalem. So the church in Jerusalem um, is a relatively poor church, But then a famine came through, and they are really, really hurting. And so since Paul is looking at Jerusalem like this is the birthplace uh, of of, uh, the church and where we all came from, he is going around to all of these churches that he planted and saying, we need to basically – you know, help our mother church. You know what I mean? Like the ones, uh, the the ones that send us out and the ones that, uh, you know, started this whole thing, they're hurting. So, all of us, we should gather what we can and send it back. And so he's collecting from all of the churches. What he has done is he went to Corinth, told them about this, and they said, we're all in. We're going we're gonna to collect something. The next time you come around, Paul, will have collected money and we'll, you can take that back to Jerusalem. Um, but Paul, 
he's kind of heard that m- the collection hasn't really gotten going. And so he's writing a um, an enthusiastic letter saying, hey, guys, don't forget about this. And he wants to give them encouragement. Now, I say enthusiastic, kind of snarky. Um, he is putting a little pressure just for them to k- keep their commitment. But what's interesting is he is not guilt tripping them. We're going to see that in this passage. He's actually inviting them saying, this is going to be something really amazing to be a part of. Make sure you don't miss out. Uh, So we're going to pick it up in verse six of chapter nine. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you, because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. All right, let's start with O, observation. And we're going to take a look at this. There's a lot of uh, good uh, kind of some of the things that we talk about with observations, looking for repeating words and truths about God and some of these things. There's a lot of good examples of that in here. So what do you guys see? Yeah, the first set of repeating words that we see is sows and reaps. Uh, so this idea of sowing is like giving, reaping is receiving, right? So you can either, if you give sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you give uh, generously, you're going to reap and, and receive generously. So good contrast there. One of my observations is in verse eight, the comprehensive nature of these words. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Nothing is left out. Yeah, just all, all total every, provision, total complete. Um, I noticed um, the adi- the heart attitudes that are described in here. Um, even at the very beginning, it says uh, what well, you've decided to give. So there's a willingness. It's not reluctant. It's not under compulsion. It's cheerful. Um, Paul is he is clearly inviting them to do something that he knows is challenging for them, but he's saying it shouldn't be this guilty drudgery. Like there is something um, truly appealing about that you know, that, that attitude, that mindset that he's describing. The emotion of the passage is different than what I tend to associate with pitches for money. <laughs> you know what I mean? There, there is something um, really winsome and, and attractive saying, if I was like this, this would be a good thing. It's not like a, oh, you want, you want money. Oh, okay, I guess I got to do it, you yeah. know? Um, I really loved verse 12. It says, um, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And so what I saw with supplying the needs is like this physical, yes, there is like a physical, tangible need that it's meeting, but also expressions of thanks. It's like a people spiritually 
like growing, expressing their thanks to God for His provision in their life. Yes, through people, but God is moving in the hearts and the minds of those people to give generously. And so it's, it's meeting their needs physically and spiritually. And God is receiving glory, yes, thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That, what a compelling idea that you can give money to meet a need. And when that person's need is met, they see it as an answer to prayer. And they look to God and they say, God, you heard me and you answered my prayer. What, yeah. a, what, a, what a fascinating and wonderful thing to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's even another little detail in, in the kind of the, the chain here. In verse 14, it says, in their prayers for, for you, their hearts will go out to you. Like they'll be thanking God, but then they'll also be praying for you. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a, a reciprocal nature to this. It's, it's you cared for me, and I, so now I care about you and your needs, and so I'm going to be praying for you. There's something, um, there, there's, there's a dynamism to this. There's something that moves in it. It doesn't feel stagnant like there went. It's like it, it's coming and going, and you know, you, you almost get this picture of things bouncing and flowing around um, that, that feels just energetic to me. There's, there's an element to this, a truth to this, that's really hard to say from a stage when you're trying to encourage people to give towards a worthy cause. It's interesting that Paul's not backing away from it here as he's writing this letter. He's encouraging these people to give as much as they can that they choose to give towards this thing. But he's inviting them into the reality of what happens when you're generous and all of the great positive outcomes. So I'm thinking about our the year-end gift that we just went through here at Christ Community. Uh, if you're not familiar with this, every year we, we, we call it the year-end gift and we identify projects or initiatives that we think are worthwhile. Our entire congregation gives to it. 70% of everything we give goes to that initiative. And then 30% uh, we use here for worthwhile initiatives at Christ Community. And so this year it was microenterprise loans for people in poverty to start their own businesses, creating generational wealth for their family systems, and then adding floors to a nursing dormitory in Bangladesh. And we blew away what we thought was going to come in and we're celebrating almost $1.3 million. So now not only is a fourth floor going on this dormitory, but a fifth floor. So it's, it's, and you just think about all of the, all of the nursing school students in Bangladesh who now have a clean, safe, wonderful place to live while they're going through nursing school and all the people in Bangladesh that will benefit from those nurses. And on top of that, because it's a Christian nursing training school, they know where this money's coming from. So we're going to be a part of their prayers. They're going to be thanking God for the people at Christ community. And now we're a part of people's prayers all over the world just to be a part of all of that. Now, if I stand on a stage and say, if you don't give to this, you're missing out on all of that. This feels very heavy handed, but it is true. Yeah, it's 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 a real dilemma. Uh, I mean, we're kind of talking church shop here, where it, like I I genuinely believe like this is not this is not like well, it's part of the the job. Like you gotta you gotta help people, you know, give to the ministries or whatever. Like I genuinely believe that people's lives will be better <laughs> if they're generous people. Like I like their inner life. When we talk about like mental health and we talk about like relational health and just like feeling like alive. I think that generosity is one of the big rocks on this, that to be an open-handed person, like I, I use that language a lot, open-handed, because there's something about the movement of that that almost feels like, oh, I'm relaxed. I'm not clenched up, you know? And 
And, but to tell someone that, it feels like they're self-interest because you're part of the organization that might receive or dist- distribute the money. Um, but the reality is, this is a way to life. Um, I was I was in the uh, service when uh, in DeKalb, at our DeKalb campus, when we announced the year-end gift results a couple of weeks ago. And I, I loved it. I looked around, and there was, uh, there was a guy, I, I don't know, probably 20, 30 years old, a younger guy. And as, as Jim's about to say what it is, he's, he's leaning in. And then when he announced, what was it, uh, 1.2, 1.3 million? It was like- it was Yeah, just, right, right under 1.3 million. Like a huge number. The guy did a fist pump, like in the air. <laughs> and I looked around, there are other people who are wiping tears from their eyes. Yeah. And I know that those are people who had contributed. Like they, they felt like we're a part of something. 1,500 people are going to get loans and have their life, their whole family's lives are going to be changed. Like that is amazing. I, um, I almost hesitate to talk about the one a couple of years ago when we did um, a Bible translation because I like to me that feels like one of the most significant things I've ever been a part of. That to to say that we I gave a little bit of money in the big scheme of things, like in the total, right? But to say I got to be a part of giving God's word to somebody to a community that didn't have it before, mm-hmm. or or when we or the, you see the videos of the wells that were dug one year when we did like that that is so life giving to me mm-hmm. to think about that and and to miss out on that would, would be. You don't know what you're missing, you know? So um, it is really weird to talk about that and not feel like, oh, you're just selling something, but it really is that great. (laughs) Yeah, if I could take a few steps back when you're talking about the Bible translation project that we gave towards. So that was translating the Bible into languages for people groups that don't have the Bible in their spoken language. Mm -hmm. And the more money we gave, the more languages were able to be translated. Do you guys remember how many translations it ended up being? I was trying to look up while we were sitting here, but I can't. I I want to say it was like 50 or something like that. And that project is still going on. They're still doing the work of translating the Bible. And so every year there's more and more people on the planet that get to hear about Jesus because we did something as simple as pool our money and give it. Uh, I, I'm looking at verse 10, another observation. It says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So there is, there's two categories here, like seed and bread are physical things and then increasing the harvest of your righteousness. So it's saying, it, it sounds so weird. How could this be true? But when we engage in the physical act of giving money or meeting practical needs, there is a spiritual reward. Like God, God is able to not only meet our needs physically, so we don't ever have to worry about that. Like, am I going to outgive God? Am I going to give so much that um, I don't have a roof over my head or I don't have clothes? Like, that's not a, that's not really a problem of ours. But when you say when you give to things physically, when you meet others' physical needs, there is a non-physical reward. That sounds so counterintuitive, but that's how God does stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think of just. Like talking about the year and gift, I think of just like the tithing on a regular basis, like the act of of, of tithing, um, giving to uh, a church so that they can like continuously do ministry in their communities is also just a, a really beautiful thing. Like I remember um, for the longest time, guys, I don't write checks really anymore, but for the longest time, I wanted to write a check whenever I gave a tithe because I wanted that act of being able to say, it's a recognition of saying that, all right, God, this is what you have provided me with. And now in return, 
I am doing this physical act of saying, okay, now I'm giving it back to your church so that you can continue to do what you want to do with it. And like now you're just giving online, but I still stop myself and I still pause before I press that button because I still press the button every month. I don't like do this reoccur. I I don't do it like automatically. It's just like I have to I have to do this because I want that recognition of saying God thank you and now here do what you want with this. So yeah, you're in gift, awesome. But like even the like weekly or monthly or whatever, but action of giving to regular the local church. ongoing, yeah, systematic giving. It's beautiful. So once a month, you mm-hmm. go on the website. I go on the website and you manually input your giving and you hit yeah. submit. Yes, because I want just that that physical representation of pausing and thanking God and just praying for what He's going to do. I I. I do the automatic thing, and then you get like an email that says, "Oh, it went through." And so that's when I have my, that's when you my do prayer it, yeah. moment. Yeah, I'm like, I I'm not gonna go through all that. But I, the the idea here though is that it forms you in ways that are really important. Yeah. So like, there's the talking about like the act of giving and what you contributed to, but the idea that you would become a different kind of person is is really important to understand. Um, I think it comes from the fact, like if you if you notice in the passage, um, one of the things that we do for observations is to say uh, what truths about God are in there. If you just list off the things, the, the verbs, the actions that God does in this, and it's he supplies, he increases, enlarge, overflows, like all of these like just like abundant words, he's, it's almost like God's saying, if you just do this, you'll start to be a little like that. You know, like that you will start to be the sort of person who overflows because I'm the sort of person who overflows. And when you give, you're just... You're just practicing being like me. We talked about this last week. You know, when we look at Jesus and we behold his glory, we start to get some of his glory. I think giving works some way like that. Like there is a generous, abundant, joyful God who's like, I'm just so happy to give blessings to people and overflow. And then we do it and we start to be those sort of joyful, happy people. And that's kind of what I want from life to be that kind of person. So um, there's something really, really powerful about this. Two, Two more words in that category are surpassing. And abundantly, these are all these are all really good words, Nikki. I want to go back to your check writing here for a oh, second okay. because I'm fascinated with yes. this. When is the last time you wrote a check? Um, I, I if I'm if I told you I'd be lying, I don't remember. It's been it's been a, at least over a year, I would imagine. Oh wow, that's even more recent than I thought. <laughs> so now this is this is the most important question. Did you have? printed checks that had design on them and if so what was the design <laughs> nope they were just a, they were just a solid color just standard bank issue yep the cheapest ones <laughs> do, do, okay. do you have do you have design checks no, no. i <laughs> i can't remember it my answer for the last time i wrote a check it's got to be 15 years wow yeah my, mine's been at least a, at least a couple I, I i wrote a check when i uh bought a car so i i yeah, sitting there, I like wrote a check for whatever, oh. and that was my wife no, actually no, had I, to hand me the, the the checkbook and be like, "Here, here, this is what this is." <laughs> okay, <laughs> do like, you remember I, how to write these? Okay, so like I've signed cashiers' checks, yeah, yeah, like major transactions, like I've signed checks, but in terms of like writing out a check, like no. pay to the order of <laughs> writing out the no, no, it, wow, yeah, it's been maybe even longer than fifteen years. Wow, that's crazy. All right, we're going to move on to the first M in comma, which is meditation this week. Uh, We're going to take this from verse 11, which I think is a good sum up of some of the ideas here. Give you 45 seconds to prayerfully ponder this. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God.
right, let's talk about the other M in comma, which is message. How would you sum up an idea from this passage? All right, so I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, here's my message: Our generosity is a gift. Our generosity is a gift, um, not only to the people who uh, who like benefit from our generosity, but also to us. It's a it's a recognition of um, God's provision for us. It's a recognition of uh, it, it causes us to again praise Him and worship Him, and that's going to grow us in our relationship with him. And so that's what I think. Our generosity is a gift to others and to ourselves. So if our generosity, if my generosity is a gift to me, then generosity is the greatest act of selfishness. <laughs> wow, that's a way to spin it. Wow. That's, that's, my, that's my message. Yeah. <laughs> and this has been Twisting Words with their <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll add to yours. Yeah. It's a gift to others. It is a gift to yourself because there are benefits mm. that come from it, and it's a gift to God yeah. because other people end up thanking God, giving their attention to God. So yeah. it's a three-way gift. Yeah. All right. Uh, my message is every is every, and that's it. <laughs> you say, explain that. Say it again and explain it. There's nothing left out of every. Huh. In mm. verse 11... You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. When you lean into a life of generosity, you are then enriched in every way, not just monetary ways, not just physical ways, but spiritual ways, emotional ways, mental ways. God makes sure that if you lean into a life of generosity, that you are enriched in every way so that you have everything you need to continue to be generous on all kinds of occasions. So it is a beautiful, abundant provision and nothing is left out. My message is God is too generous for us to be stingy. So the when you look at all the things that God is doing and the, that, that overflowing abundance, all those verbs that we talked about, it is just so clear that when whatever our conception of God that makes it look like, ah, he's kind of holding back, he's kind of, you know, reluctant or whatever, it's just not true. And he's far too generous for us to, to act like self-protective and hoarding and that sort of thing. Uh, the image that I often think of is when uh, I am dishing ice cream for my family or maybe just for my wife, okay? So it's like after the kids are in bed and we get out the ice cream and we're dishing it up. If I, if I pull out a tub of ice cream and there is just enough, like I can make two servings out of this, but they're going to be smaller servings. Like there's a part of me that is like thinking about every like chunk and morsel and whatever I'm putting into like my wife's bowl. And I know that's totally selfish, but there's not enough there. So I'm thinking I'm not going to get enough if I give too much. Right. But when I open up a fresh tub of ice cream and it's totally for those more than we will, will eat in a sitting. I'll, I'll scoop up a huge scoop for Michelle. And so, um, which is God serving up? Is he giving you the, like the dregs of the, the ice cream, carton or is it fresh and full and overflowing if it's overflowing you can give as much ice cream to other people as as you want because there's always more so um that's that's the idea god's too generous for us to be stingy i thought you were going to say that you give michelle all of it I no, was, no no i was not. i was waiting for that yeah. i'm not yeah. good he's not that michelle not ice cream he's not michelle, that generous <laughs> i know you don't listen to these episodes often but you're getting gypped <laughs> <laughs> regularly take when, all the ice cream for when yourself it comes to the evening ice cream and Clayton's kids I don't know if you know what's happening after you go to bed <laughs> but your parents are eating ice cream 
All right, let's talk about the A in comma, which is oh, application. I said only. that like this episode is over. I was like checking out. I was like taking off my headphones, picking up my stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The comma method has an A in it. Let's do that. All right. So the A in the comma method is application. What do we do in response to this? Find more ways to be generous. Just, I mean, it's simple for me. Yes, and I'll be more specific. <laughs> Give more money. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And I, and I, that always sounds, you know, people, if you're listening to that with a skeptical ear, a pastor says that, you're like, of course, the pastor wants you to give more money to the church. I didn't say to the church. I think you should. Because when you think about what, especially our church, when you give, I think of it as a, as a, uh, like a reverse diversified portfolio. So if you, in, if you're in investing at all, you know that you're supposed to diversify your portfolio. And so as you invest in all of these uh, all of these things, you get a return on it. If you think about giving to a diversified portfolio, if you give $100 and some of it is going to international ministries and some of it is going to local pregnancy centers and some of it is going to operation budgets for local church ministries, like when you give a dollar to a church, that money is getting put into action in so many meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. So my, my application is, Give more money. Uh, my application is kind of on the uh, preparatory side of that. I, it's to reflect on the ways I've been able to participate, like when, when I've given to something, to say, what is it that God was doing that I actually got to be a part of? Like, I, I can actually go back. Like, I'm th- we're thinking about all these year-end gifts. I'm like, man, over the years, there have been all sorts of things that I've given something to this or that or whatever. And I kind of forgot about it. Like, there's something powerful about saying, I was a part of something really amazing in all of these different ways because I was able to contribute uh, to this bigger thing. And that makes me more excited to do it again. So uh, actually going through, making a list and saying, oh, look at what I got to be a part of that God was doing. All right. Well, thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can go to BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading the plan. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.